In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors, 1,762 steps, inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or your treadmill. Climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, cure, and register at lls.org slash bigclimb. Game on, everybody. It's the throwback. Jake Seeley and Brad Ziegler with you. A uh, quick word before we jump into the show. Uh, for everybody out there, go support Chris Meany. Uh, you know, unfortunate times. These are things that happen. But it's if you're wondering why I only said <laughs> Jake and Brad, and he's not in the intro anymore. We don't hate the guy. We still love the guy. He's Canadian kindness, as we always say. So go support him. Uh, we love him. We miss him already. And this is the first show that we're even doing without him. But we are back after taking off for last week. Hopefully everybody's safe, you know, getting through everything, just not Corona, but everything going on in the world. And we can get some baseball back. But we don't care about baseball, Brad, right? Because it's not happening. We just care about football. Yeah, ba- baseball's it's not even any fun to to follow right now because it's so disappointing the way things are going with the the owner side of the negotiation. So, um, yeah, let's let's talk football because it's it's at least feeling like there's going to be a football season right now. I think I saw the best tweet yesterday. Like, can we? The guy said, "Let's just start Christmas and call this year done." Like, just can we be <laughs> on with it? Like, move on to 2021. That's how I feel. But hey, look, we're still getting football. So let's talk some football, and we're gonna get you ready. Draft kit is coming out next Monday. Well, depending on when you're listening to this, it might be a few days away. It might be after. It's June 15th, everybody. Draft kit's dropping. Make sure you go check it out. My rankings, projections. We got sleepers, do not draft list, all sorts of strategy articles from our team. You're going to love it just like you did last year. So make sure you check that out. And if you go over to any of the links right now, if you want to get prepped for it, there's a lot of offers still out there floating, depending on what you might get. Might get 30 days off, 50% off an entire first year, which I would jump on that one. If you see that one, do it. Trust me, that doesn't come around long. But let's talk about a few things before we get to the draft kit, Brad. The big one, I would say, like, we it's good. It's good timing. We got a few news pieces this fat, past few days. And I would say the biggest one, at least in my opinion, might be the Todd Gurley news. And it's not that we assume the Falcons you know, like, oh, well, Todd Gurley's, we don't know if he's healthy. But they officially got him in to see the doctors. The knee checks out. They say he's 100%, whatever 100% might be, Brad, because we know the knee's never going to be 100%. But this backfield we talked about when the signing happened two months ago is the backfield's his. Ido Smith and Kadri Olsen are not significant threats. Does the knee change your opinion at all? Because we know Todd Gurley, with the volume of the Falcons' backfield, with how many touches, with how good the offense is, and how good Gurley can be, we know he can be top 10. But does this do anything for you because of the risk? Or does it just guy like, okay, he's fine, but I'm still associating the risk and he's not going to be on my team unless it's the third round? No, I, I actually, this is a big deal for me. And I'm not, 
for a 2020, you know, from a dynasty standpoint, I'm still very leery. But for a 2020 standpoint, I want some Gurley. I think his price is is a really good buy price because he was the number 14 running back last year in PPR. And and now he goes to an offense that throws the ball to the running back way more than the Rams did last year. So there's a really good chance that 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 number 14 is his floor, uh, you know, assuming... You know, assuming health, which, you know, I, I'm not talking about the chronic stuff. I'm talking about like, oh, he, you know, someone dives in and he tears his ACL. That's different. But the chronic stuff, he he was dealing with the chronic stuff last year. They managed it. I think he has a pretty good plan how to management. He still scored well over 200 fantasy points last year in PPR. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it all day in a 2020 league. So let me ask you this then. If you start with wide receiver, would you be okay with Gurley being your RB1? Oh, uh, no, yeah, see, I heard I, that. No. <laughs> but, but I don't, I mean, I'd be happy to take him in the third round as my RB two. I'll say that if I, if I went wide receiver round one or, or round two with a running back in the other round, I'd be happy to get him as my RB two. All right, then let's float this one out there. How about Leonard Fournette versus Todd Gurley? It doesn't matter cost, just straight up, which would you prefer this year? Because all the talk recently, and I've done the same thing. I just tweeted yesterday. It's not just Leonard Fournette has the addition of Chris Thompson in the backfield. It's that he's a dump-down pass catcher primarily. That He's not somebody like a Chris Compton who's going to write routes. So it's very unlikely he was going to see 100 targets. It's very unlikely that now he might see 60 with Chris Thompson in the fold. And we already knew the struggles to score. Uh, you know, He almost had 1,700 yards last year and only three touchdowns. Are you on the, that's got to change even if the passing game go down and maybe Fournette's just what he was again last year as a fringe RB1? Or are you staying completely away and you would take Todd Gurley over Leonard Fournette because a little sneak preview, Brad, in the RB rankings, he's a low-end RB2 for me when projections were finalized. Fournette was? So so I'm higher on Fournette than you are. Um, and I would I would probably take Fournette over Gurley solely because of, of health reasons. But I think there's a, if, if they're both healthy, all 16 games, I think there's a chance that Gurley finishes higher than him. Um, I, I just think I, I'm going to go, if, if we're talking RB2, I already went my RB1, like this is the guy that I expect to blow up. If, if we're talking RB2 or, or second round, maybe th- you know early third round running back, um, I'd probably take Fournette over Gurley just because I, I just, just this feeling of like, I'm at least going to get 16 games out of him, even if his production dips a little bit. There's It'd be really, if he had anywhere close to the same volume of touches, I mean, even 85% of the touches he had last year, there's a really good chance he's going to score more than three touchdowns, which is going to bump him up pretty pretty quickly in the rankings. See, and that's funny because I go the other way. Like, I'd rather take Todd Gurley because I know I could potentially be top 10, even potentially top five. And if I already have my RB1, I'll shoot for more upside with my... Obviously, depending. If my first... If my RB1's a risk-associated one warrior, you know, maybe Nick Chubb or Josh Jacobs with pass-catching concerns or something like that. But I, I would actually shoot more for Gurley. Here's the other thing, and I'll throw this in. Let me tell you, if you, you, or you tell me if you think this matters at all is I tweeted yesterday when Gardner Minshew took back over the starting, like not when he first did there, when he first got there, everything was normal. The offense was doing great because the team sucked and they were on field all the time and then shootouts half the time. But from weeks 13 through 16, when Minshew came back to be the starter, Leonard Fournette's carries were 15, 15, 15, and 14. And his touches were low in that range all four games. Somebody pushed back at me like, that has nothing to do with Minshew coming back. And I said, eh, you know, like, we, I'm not saying it's purely Minshew at quarterback. But you can't ignore the fact that as soon as Minshew took back over, Minshew's a running quarterback. The offense is different with Minshew versus Foles. That 
that is something to not like overrate, like, oh my God, he's only going to touch it 15 times a game. But it's at least a little, I'd say, feather in the cap, something to note the fact that the touches went down that much at the end of the year where he didn't run for, he didn't even hit 80 yards in those four games. Yeah. Yeah. There, I mean, there's no question that he, that he didn't look good down the stretch last year. The biggest thing for me is there, there are quarterbacks that that people are expecting to take a jump in their second year and and that can be Kyler Murray it can be Daniel Jones that were they're they're projecting them to be quite yes, a bit better yes. than they were last year <laughs> why can't you do that with Gardner Minshew because yes. he he went into the season not even getting starter reps he's going to improve because now he's going to get starter reps in in training camp in the preseason and and he's going to be working with these guys where he was kind of thrown in there week 1 with with almost no you know no reps with the starting starting team prior to halfway through that game when when Foles broke his collarbone and he played pretty well at first and then teams got film on him and all of a sudden he hit some bumps in the road Foles came back wasn't very good and they they're like you know what maybe Minshew is our guy long term and we need to give him a chance to develop I think there's development that happens over the summer in training camp in the preseason and I think he's better this year than he was last year and that that bodes well for everybody in the offense all right, so you want a little sneak preview again of the draft kit? Do you know where, where Minshew ended up for me? Can take a Ooh, guess? I'll guess. Um, I'll guess. How about QB 16? <laughs> Pretty good. QB 15. Oh, and see, yeah, and that's and that's that's got to be a pretty contrarian rate because I bet most people have him in the 20s. And and I think I think I think I'm right there with you. Like that's about right where I would put him. Uh, I haven't haven't statted out um, the AFC yet, or at least all of the AFC. I'm still working on that, but but it's yeah, it's I I, I could see him finishing right in there, that high end QB one. There's definitely upside there. They went and got Lavishka Chenault. If he if he turns into a dynamic playmaker for him, um, we know DJ Shark can be a dynamic playmaker. If Fournette is healthy all year, um, Chris Thompson gives him a little added dimension out of the backfield. If he's healthy, there's there's a good opportunity here for a quarterback. Yeah, and everybody always talks about trash defenses and stuff like that. And, oh, then the offense is going to be out there in shootouts and blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, that's certainly going to help them, too, because that defense has been pretty much gutted at this point from what they, I mean. They're it's over under five wins. I'm going to take the under on Jacksonville this year. Yeah, and, and, and probably so. And that, that bodes really well for the passing game, um, you know, the passing game from fantasy standpoint, because they're going to have some really positive game script for fantasy. Is it just me? Or do I feel like they had the shortest competitive window of an NFL team? Like, like <laughs> they, they I, had, what was it two years year. ago? We were like, hey, they're a playoff contender. Yeah, it was, they had, so they had the top defense. A couple years before that, it was Blake Bortles went off and had an amazing year, and and everybody's like, ooh, maybe he's the guy. Then two years later. Bortles is struggling, but their defense was elite, and they still got back into the playoffs. And now, right. now it's like they don't have anything. They don't have an elite defense. They don't have a good <laughs> offense, and so we all know they're just gonna be terrible. Like I feel like I feel like Khan was just like that kid that you used to play video games with and hit the reset button, like when he wasn't doing well. <laughs> just like ah, one bad year, screw this, we're, we're rebooting the entire damn thing. All right, so the other thing in the news, and this isn't coach speak, this is actually player speak, and I want to know how you feel about this, Brad, because I'll tell you first how I feel. It's like, first of all, it's about Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst goes into Austin Hooper's role. That that's that on its own, we've already talked about on the show and said the upside there. My projections uh, actually have him at tight end 10. And 
part of me feels like, I was like, I kind of want him higher, but I don't want to go crazy and I don't want to be nuts about it. And we're going to talk, kind of lean into that in a few moments here about these offseason hyped players. But part of the reason Hayden Hurst is out there is because not only what we're talking about, and I say that we is in quotes, you can't see, but I'm quoting for the industry, but Matt Ryan on a Zoom call, talking about how much he's been practicing with it, how great he looks, blah, blah like, oh, he's one of the most athletic ones that he's ever had. All Hayden Hurst, is he top 10 for you? And is there a point, like, what is it? Is it tight end six, tight end seven? Like, where do you get the cutoff of, like, all right, now we've gone too far, and to say that you, something you agree with me, and I say a lot, is don't buy all the risk. You can't buy him at his peak. Like, what's his peak where you're going to finally say, yeah, it's too much, I'm not going in? Uh, I mean, right now, I feel like, you know, I'd have to check out some ADP stuff, but I feel like he's not he's not even being ranked as, or drafted as a top 10, right? So he's probably just outside that. I would be happy to, I, I'm seeing right now on, at least on Fantasy Pros, he's the 13th ranked tight end. I would be all over that, all over that. There are five guys in front of him that I would take him before. And if I don't, if I can wait, if I can grab another receiver and wait another round on him, I'd be happy to do that. But but there are, um, I, I I do think he slots into that role, but it's it's the volume is not going to be quite the same because Austin Hooper is a better run blocker than Hayden Hurst is, and so Austin Hooper has the ability to be on the field a whole lot more. I think Hurst is going to be in a little bit more of a rotation, but I do think he's going to be the primary pass catcher. And there are, I mean, there's an immense amount of targets to be had there. Justin Gage isn't going to take them. Um, you know, take him away from him if he's a he's definitely a physical mismatch in the middle of the field. It opens up the field for Julio. They, I mean, they went. They paid a second round pick for him in a in a very valuable draft, and to to go and spend on him. And he's, you know, he's a bit older of a prospect too. He's, I believe, he's yeah, like twenty six. <laughs> yeah, like I think, like I think he had his ARP card and, when he was drafted. Yeah, yeah, because he played, you know, he played minor league baseball for a bit, so he was a lot older when he was drafted. But he was a first round pick. They traded it, traded him for a second round pick. There's still a lot of value there, and I think I think the Falcons see it, and they're like, "Hey, this can be this can be our Austin Hooper without having to pay eleven million dollars a year. We're getting him, at, you know, at, at a third of that." By the way, that's the second time we've talked about baseball technically, so I think that we've hit our limit. That's that's too much for one show. We're about to yep, get the no alarm more. on that. Uh, actually, the NFFC right now, within since the beginning of May, I like to do May after the drafts, the real NFL drafts been over. Hayden Hurst is the tenth tight end off the board. So right in front of him, Brad is Rob Gronkowski. Right behind him is Austin Hooper. I gotta tell you, I know I get the excitement about Rob Gronkowski. I think I take Hurst over both of them, Hooper and Gronk. Yeah, I, I definitely don't want Hooper. I, I will have zero shares of Hooper this year. Um, I, I think that offense is going to go run heavy. I think that's a big part of why they brought him in. Um, if they're going to be going 12 personnel a lot and, and two tight ends on the field, I think there's a really good chance that Hooper's volume is going to go way down from where it was in Atlanta. Plus, in reality, the Browns should be better. They should be better and therefore being able to control a little more game script and not having to throw the ball as much as the Falcons were last year. Yeah, and the round... He's what a hundred and twelfth, so eleventh ish, tenth round, eleventh yeah. round, tenth, yeah, tenth, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the perfect place to chase high high end, tight end upside because there's a bunch of guys this year where if you wait on tight end, if you don't go and get Kelsey and Kittle and Ertz and and the guys at the top, Mark Andrews, 
then there are guys down down below that in that ninth, tenth, eleventh round range that have a ton of upside. They're very athletic. They're they're second, third year players where you're looking for a jump in development. And and yeah, I mean, put Mike Gusecki in there, Noah Fant in there. He's right in that mix for me. And and there's an opportunity for all of them to to be top five tight ends this year. It's funny you said Gusecki and Fant. And I was going to do too much in the tight ends, uh, but that six is funny. So Gusecki's thirteen, Fant's fifteen, Hawkinson's sixteen. If anybody's right on the site, I did my breakout tight end of 2020, and it was Hawkinson for me, mostly because I, I do want to talk about those three real quick before we move on to our next thing. My biggest concern with Fant, and even slightly Gusecki, is like, Gusecki, so it's, it's the same reason, but for different reasons. <laughs> I'll explain. So Fant's concern is, I just think there's too many pieces there. And unless Drew Locke is going to go throw for 4,800 yards and 35 touchdown, I just don't see how Fant has the volume. I think he's amazing and I think he's going to be one of the most productive it actually kind of goes back to like the Aaron Jones complaint is like he's one of the most productive on a per target basis but where's this targets going to land like is it going to be 80 90 I don't think he gets to 100 plus so that's my concern with Fant and then similarly it's Gasecki this year now has Preston Williams but last year my point is Gasecki basically only had to deal with Devontae Parker and still and again I'm going to put this in quotes still only did what he did last year so my question with both of them is where's the volume going to be for this year Gasicki couldn't do it last year basically being the number two how's he going to be you know when he has competition from Williams this year so the biggest thing for me is is the the jump in development the third year tight end development we've we've seen this before where in a tight end's third year there's I think in a lot of ways, tight end is the toughest position to come in and play, maybe outside quarterback in, in all of the offense in football. Right. And when when they come in, there's a lot thrown at them and a lot suspected of them when they're a first round pick. And and now that he's kind of settled in a little bit, he had a really You're good You're talking about Gusecki, right? Yeah, with Gusecki. So he had a really good rapport with Ryan Fitzpatrick down the stretch last year. And that that to me is the big key because I do think Fitzpatrick is going to be the quarterback for the majority of this season, at least until... They're they're probably playoff eliminated, and then they may give Tua a shot. But there's there's no reason for them to rush Tua into there um, with, with the health concerns. They want to give that hip as long as possible before he's taking a beating. Yeah, let let and Fitzpatrick is not afraid to force the ball into some windows, and and he obviously showed at the end of last year he'll look for Gasecki in the red zone, and that to me is is a, a bigger reason to like him because anybody with touchdown upside has has a you know, a tight end when there's a whole lot of guys lumped together, two or three more touchdowns can make a big difference in in where they finish in the PPR standings. Oh, yeah, especially at tight end. There's no question about it. So, yeah, I just, again, the volume, he had 89 targets last year and 89 targets with Preston Williams in his first year and missing part of the year. It's just that's my biggest concern with him. But I think they're all they're they're worth the flyers of like, hey, these are the guys you take the shot on after you maybe start with a solid option. And I was about to say his name, but, you know, I don't say his name on the show. That guy that's currently (laughs) the tight end for the Saints and go ahead and dynasty. I know you and I talked about it. Go get Troutman. So trust me, that's that's who you want. They're hopefully sooner than later over there. But to your point, he's a rookie tight end. There's another one here. Uh, there's a team that has two rookie tight ends and about 14 tight end options and 7,000 wide receivers and nobody knows what you and I were texting about this team, the Patriots. And we weren't even texting about the passing game. We were texting about the fact of like everybody, like what do we do with James White? Because what did I text you back, Brad? Everybody seemingly has forgotten, written off, and wants nothing to do with Damian Harris after being 
pumped up in last year's draft as a top three talent at the position after the fact that he was drafted and people started to say, ooh, this might be bad for Sony Michelle. And he misses essentially his rookie season, started off with hamstring injuries, couldn't get on the field, was game day inactives. So a lot going against him. But again, this is kind of like the Jared Goff, the first year at quarterback. The Dwayne Haskins, what people are doing now. Like people just, oh, well, you didn't perform. You didn't show up in your rookie season. Forget it. You're dead. Go- goodbye. Are you touching? And now I'm going to, I'm just going to include the entire Patriots. Are you touching anybody on the Patriots right now in drafts? No, no one, literally no one in a super flex league at the bottom of the, all the quarterbacks, I might throw a flyer on Jarrett Stidham, you know, just in case, yeah, that one just doesn't in case count. he's decent, but, but uh, yeah, outside what, of that, no, I'm Nikhil not touching Harry, the have, backfield, nothing, nothing. I don't have a single one of them on any of my best ball teams on any of my, my dynasty teams, any of my, I haven't drafted any season leagues yet. You know, we're 26, 28 days away from Scott Fishbowl going, I promise you I won't have any Patriots on that team unless it's Jarrett Stidham late because there's there's just I, – I don't know what this offense is going to be. There, it, it feels like they are the toughest team to project right now because we have no idea what they're going to be at quarterback. They don't have any proven receivers outside of Edelman and maybe Muhammad Sanu. If, if he's healthy, you can, you can say we've at least seen him be productive at times. But we, we have no idea if Nikhil Harry is a complete bust or if he's going to make some, some growth. They drafted two third-round third tight ends back-to-back, and Matt yep. Lacoste is the only guy really in front of them. Like, there's there's no one there that of consequence, but it also it's going to be tough for those rookies to come in and be productive right away because, number one, they're not getting mini camps and all that stuff. Um, their training camp may be you know somewhat abbreviated. It, it's I think all rookies across football are going to struggle, so I'm not going to count on those guys at all. Then you go to the backfield, and, I mean – where do you have to take Michelle as an RB two? No, thank you. Like I, there's no way to me he finishes there. Yeah, like I, I he might be around like 35 for me. Yeah, people don't remember. Like then I say worse is like he was basically like what the poor Todd Gurley and pretty poor Todd Gurley. Like with I'm talking <laughs> about like the injuries and the performance on what he was doing while he's out there. Do you remember? See, so plays all 16 games for everybody out there. But he's playing hurt. He, that, and that's why I say like the poor Todd Gurley. He's like, I don't think he's ever going to be 100% again. And credit Emery Hunt, I still remember to this day when we were talking about that draft. It's something I, I t- this is what I use when I tell people like Emery is so good. Like if you think I'm good, he's worlds better than me as being a scout. And I'll even say because I never noticed it before. And now I look at running backs when they like all of them when they come out of the college now. But he pointed this out to me when Sonny Michelle was in the draft. He said, watch how he runs and watch how hard he plants his foot, both feet, like every single step. He goes, he'll have knee injuries. And he's 100% right. He called it down the board. Like, it's not going to go away. He had a little bit of concern in college, and it's been there. He played 16 games and looked miserable. Do you remember where he finished despite playing 16 games last year? No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess 23. Ah, oh, I thought you were going to go the 28 behind Carlos Hyde oh, dang. and Ronald, jo- Ronald Jones finished in front of him. That's that's harder to believe. I know Carlos Hyde went for a thousand yards, and and so that that one I can see. But man, to finish behind Ronald Jones, that's that's yeah, atrocious. Yeah. Barely in front of Adrian Peterson. I'll I'll throw one name out there that you didn't throw, and this is of course deep leaguers right now. But I actually thought the Marquise Lee signing was a good flyer for them 
and one that if I'm in a deeper league, this isn't a 16 round draft that I'm talking about, but like a lot of ones you're talking about, but and not even like a best ball. Just I'll take it if you, 20th round if you're in a little bit of a deeper league, 18th round I might even think about it but just because Marquise Lee was finally starting to develop the skill NFL wise to match his athleticism before he got hurt, and for a team that has so many questions at wide receiver, I think I think he's at least thrown. I would uh, throw it out there before like so. I take the chance on him after Nikhil Haley and Julian Edelman. I might even do it over Mohamed Sanu. I'm not positive, but I might. Yeah, that's interesting. And I, I, you don't, you don't have to. That's the thing. I mean, Marquise Lee is completely undrafted in all formats. Oh, right you know, now, no, so. so that's what I meant. Is like where Sanu's going. I'd rather just wait and leave for nothing. Yeah, yeah, you can pick Lee up after the draft's over. So yeah, may, may as well because <laughs> but we we have no idea how how Belichick is gonna do anything without Tom Brady there. We we basically haven't seen it and and anyone that remembers Belichick before that has, you know, is 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 basically the the on the downswing of their fantasy career because it's it was so long ago that that these two guys weren't working together that we don't know what this offense is going to be like. They're going to have to do I, you feel like it's got to be almost like a lot of gadget trick play type stuff because they just don't have the ability. They might be and this is hard to say, but they might be the least talented team in the NFL uh, uh, from top to bottom, offense, defense, whatever. I don't trust their defense. Everybody, their defense was a fantasy darling last year because they were they had the easiest schedule in history in the first eight games. And and we talked about it during the season last year. Sell their defense, sell their defense if you have them. And it's it they don't. There's just their defense is going to be put on the field so much this year because their offense will not be able to move the ball. I just don't see myself having any part of any of this. That's certainly fair. Top performers in business and sports often attribute their success to their morning routine, whether it's waking up early, setting their goals for the day, exercise, or meditation. But not everyone has the time to do it all. With Hydrant, you can jumpstart your mornings. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly in your water to make hydrating your body an easy delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has four essential electrolytes your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And Hydrate is backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There's no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. Hydrant starts just as a buck per packet for a 30-day supply. You can save even more with a monthly subscription. For 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com slash football. That's drinkhydrant.com slash football for your 25% off your first order. It's drinkhydrant.com slash football. All right, so let me flip this question a little bit differently with another team. Is how much do you try, do you account for changes in quarterbacks? Because... I'm going to reference it. So one of the pieces that we're going to have in the draft kit is sleepers, obviously, and it's sleepers and do not draft list. And at sleepers for my wide receiver, I initially went in like, you know what? Keenan Allen runs a lot of his routes inside and out of the slot. Give me some Paris Campbell now that Philip Rivers is in Indianapolis. But here's what I found out, Brad. I was actually shocked to find this out. Philip Rivers last year, third lowest targeting the slot. And then if you include inside and slot, so in tight basically is mostly tight ends, but sometimes you'll see the formations where the wide receiver is inside of the other. It's when you see two on one side, one on the other. I don't want to get into like the 12s and the X, Y, Zs. And that's, just remember, if there's two receivers on the same side, the one that's in 
line and not necessarily out of the slot, that's where that couples in. So I wanted to throw that out there because he was seventh lowest even when you include that. So even though Keenan Allen does so much work, he still is one of the least, and this is percentage, this isn't total targets, this is a percentage of his targets. Philip Rivers doesn't really throw inside as much as people think. So my question is, do you take something like that and say, hey, Philip Rivers, that's who he is, and maybe Paris Campbell's the wrong person to get excited about, we should be more excited about Mick, Michael Pittman or somebody else, maybe still Zach Pascal? Or do you say, Brad, like, well, he's going to a new system. He's got a new coach. Maybe it's not the same Philip Rivers. Which way do you lean? Because that'll break decisions for a lot of people. Yeah, I, man, it, it's hard. It's hard whenever, especially as bad as Philip Rivers looked at times last year, it's, it's hard to be like, oh, he's going to a new team. We're going to get the Philip Rivers from four years ago. I don't, I don't know that I see that. It's, it's, I, I'm a lot more. I guess, bearish on the Colts offense than a lot of other people. I don't want really any part of this. I'm nervous about the running game, whether it's Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack or whatever, because I don't know that their game script's going to be that good. At the same time, they're in the best division to go and win in football. The The Texans have basically dismantled their team. The Jaguars have dismantled their team. There's there's opportunity here that they where they can just go in and kind of roll right through, I guess, the Jags or the Jags Jags may not be in their division. But I know the Texans, like the Texans have owned this division for a while. Now that now you feel like it's 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 theirs for the taking because there's just no one no one there that's that's just gonna jump up and grab it. So yeah, give me the the concept of the Colts might be a decent team, but I think it's going to be close game after close game and and offensive struggles because Phillip Rivers is thirty eight. He's not the same player he used to be. He had 20 interceptions last year to 23 touchdowns with way better wide receivers in, in L.A. than he's going to have in Indy. Let me present a question to you. You just say this is I'm asking Brad the question. Here's the question. Is Philip Rivers an upgrade over Jacoby Brissett? Um, no, <laughs> he's not. I see. I think that I, I would say he's a. I say he's an upgrade, but I think the 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 sigh and what you were about to answer. And this is how I don't think he's as big as an upgrade at this point of his career as people are making him out to be. And not what they paid for. I'll say that because they, I mean, when you I give a guy that much that. money. Yeah, well, well, but just just from that standpoint, they bring him in like where it's just assumed he's the starter. And I'm not really sure he's that much better. And it wouldn't surprise me at some point if if during the season, they there is some flip-flopping with the quarterbacks. Just because if Rivers goes out and throws interception after interception, they're not going to be content with that. And that's last year. I mean, I didn't watch a ton of Chargers games, but I did see the, a couple against the Chiefs, and he would just drop back on third down, like third and it'd be like third and seven. If he didn't see a guy open, he would just chuck it up and basically use the interception as a punt. And he's and just he's turned into to Jay Cutler, team. honestly. Oh my gosh, it was so it was like, what in the world is he doing? And he walks off the field like he's not even upset because he's like, ah, whatever. That's what third I'm down, saying. we're gonna punt on fourth he, down. He just he doesn't, doesn't care. seem to care and, anymore. Yeah, it, it was it was. It was hard to watch just as a, a fan of the game, let alone like I was glad that the Chiefs defense was getting a lot of interceptions because of it. But it, it just wasn't it, it felt like at that point he wasn't even trying. And that's where it's like, <laughs> man, this is hard even in it. And then you see him like, you know, dying to, to come back and play this year and stuff. And so who knows? Maybe there's a, a little bit of an adrenaline resurgence with him when he, you know, getting a fresh start with a new team. Um, obviously, there's there's pieces around him that could be really good. And, and everybody, you know. Everybody really likes um, Denzel or, or Michael Pittman. Sorry, Michael Pittman for this year. Um, and, and I don't <laughs> – I'm I'm nervous 
I, I like Michael Pittman a lot long term, and I, but I am nervous for this year just because I just don't know what Philip Rivers has left in the tank from a, a decision making standpoint. No, certainly fair. I mean, even if Michael Pittman was Mike Williams, I mean, Mike Williams still ended up what was he wide receiver four last year? If I'm right, correctly. do you remember? Where? Let's let's find out. Mike Williams uh, offhand, yeah, I don't. Let me. I've yep. got it here. Wide receiver thirty eight. There you go. Thirty. He did yeah. have a thousand yards, but that was on forty nine receptions. Don't forget, there was a very volume. Volume wasn't really there. It was the production on the per catch basis for him. So, I want to stick with this team real quick and kind of close out. This is where we're ahead with some things. Is what we're kind of talking about today is like this offseason buzz. And we find players every single year. I mean, you can go back and look at ADP that if you start in May even and move up to August or let alone June to August, you see players jumping up rounds and rounds and rounds because the industry, it's it's groupthink. And I'm not saying groupthink's a bad thing because a lot of times smart people lead you to smarter decisions. But when you get so many people talking about things, and that's why I went to your Hayden Hurst point, I, I think that he might even end up at 7 or 8 ADP by the time we get to August. Uh, somebody commented in the, in the section when I was doing the breakout tight ends to what you said, that on Fantasy Pros, he's not even a tight end one. Some other draft sites, he's not even a tight end one. Like The group is going to change. So I want to stick with real quick here is that's Jack Doyle. Everybody's like, Jack Doyle, Philip Rivers. Do you know what Jack Doyle's best season was, by the way? I just want to throw this out there. Uh, no, I know he had a couple really good years with Andrew Luck, but I don't know if they were as good as I remembered in my head. <laughs> and I think that's what it is. His best season was 2017, 80 receptions, 690 yards, didn't even average 10 yards per catch, and four touchdowns. That was his best season. And I'm not saying Jack Doyle can't be a tight end one. We see what Phillip Rivers does for Hunter Henry. Jack Doyle doesn't have a lot of competition with Eric Ebron gone. And you have where we're talking about. We're talking about Paris Campbell's second year missed a lot of his rookie season. We're talking about a rookie and Michael Pittman. So the opportunity is certainly here. And there's a lot of people that are in on Jack Doyle. Ooh, that's the one I'll take instead of everybody jumping after Hayden Hurst. Are you in on Jack Doyle this year? Uh, I probably if there. Let's put it this way: if there's buzz around him where it's going to bump his ADP a little bit, then probably not. Right now, um, you know, Fancy Pros has him as the tight end 18. I'd take him about there. I'd take him over. Um, That's his ADP on Yeah, so there are guys below him that I would probably rather take. Um, Blake Jarwin is below him. Ian Thomas is below him. Chris Herndon is about the the level. I'd probably honestly take Chris Herndon over him just because of... Because I, I, I do, I disagree with both. I agree with Chris Herndon because I, I, he's another one. It's funny. It's like last year, Chris Herndon was going as a top ten tight end, and now all of a sudden, like he misses the year, and people are like, oh, forget it. Who wants Chris Herndon? I, I can't do Blake Jarwin. I think this is going to be too much McCarthy, especially after drafting Lamb, and it's going to be three. Like somebody needs to be left out from the wide receivers for Jarwin to do anything. Yeah, and, and that's that's very true. Or. They could pass even less to Zeke, which is which is possible too. I uh, I think Jarwin is going to be a tight end or a, a touchdown dependent fantasy player, but I think there's going to be a decent amount of, of volume and touchdowns. That's a good offense, you know. Assuming you know Dak comes in and and you know is not holding out and and he's running the show, then yeah, I I do think there's a chance that Jarwin ends up. I could see him having a, a season where he has like 50 catches, but he has like eight touchdowns. And if that happens, then so, then he's gonna he's gonna so he's freaking Jared well. Cook, who we hate, we hate. Yeah, on this he, show. he could he could be very well. There's you know there's I just don't. I mean, he couldn't beat out Jason Witten last year, and that makes me nervous in the sense of like there's a lot 
being put on him where like, oh, he's stepping into this role. It's like, well, if he was that good, Jason Witten was terrible last year. And if he was that good, he should have been on the field more than Jason Witten last year. But they had to talk Jason Witten to come out of retirement to come in because they knew Blake Jarwin wasn't that can we, great. Like that, can we talk Jason Witten back into retirement like at this point? <laughs> I yeah, remember I mean, you texted me about the tight ends on the board and like, like Jason, I just laughed when Jason Witten was there. Like, who wants Jason Witten? Yeah. I love the guy during the prime of his career and I'm a Giants fan and he was guaranteed to go off against the Giants, but you know, it's 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 past this time for at this point. Hey, and at least, wait, was it him or who was worse? It was him or Greg Olson was terrible in the booth. What, what, was it him? Uh, it was Witten. Yeah, Ol- Olsen yeah, hasn't was, seen it, the booth yet. Everybody thinks he's going to be good, and no, and he was in the there as like there, a. But. He was in there for a comp, like he was like a guest one week. He wasn't permanently there. Okay, he was, he I, there. I missed that one. But yeah, Whit- Witten wasn't good. But but also in fairness, like the whole Monday Night Football broadcast setup was bad, and thankfully they've they've gutted the whole thing, and hopefully something better is coming out. Plus, it's year. it's like trying to replace Michael Jordan in Chicago. Like he came in after Tony Romo's done what Tony Romo's done, and like he was like, oh, it's another cowboy. He can he'll be just <laughs> as good. No, he won't be. Not at all. All right, so let's throw out a few more, and we'll save some of these for the next show. To to keep things tight for everybody out there. Uh, but we talked about Minshew. We talked about Jack Doyle. So let's do... We only have two running backs. So that's what we'll do. We'll do the two running backs. Mostert. <laughs> it's the Shanahan Hannigans. Like, what are you doing here? Because we know what Mostert did last year. But Tevin Coleman is still on the team. Jarek McKinnon, as of today, Brad, he's healthy. Uh, the guy I don't, Has he even played a snap for his contract yet? I don't think he has. I don't think has so. He, no, he, NFL he was a preseason season injury... Yeah, preseason yeah. injury both years. So, wow. So, and then you you know they still have juice chick at, or use chick out of the backfield for the, like the occasional touches here or there. And I only bring up him because I even bring up Jeff Wilson the weeks that he stole touches. And then it's Shanahanigans again. Like, are, are you doing most dirt at his ADP? Which right now, let me check his ADP. Actually, unless you uh, are just going to answer without me telling you, but you're not. Doesn't sound like he's twenty fourth. Twenty fourth. Yeah, I'll take Mostert at that because there's upside there. We saw him at the end of the year be a monster. And I will say, as as much as Shanahan will go back and forth, he rode Mostert at the end of the year last year. And and so if if a guy is playing well, I think there's an opportunity to kind of debunk the coach speak and or, or the coach theory. And if if we we saw from them, the only thing I'm not sure about is I don't think their defense is actually as good as they were last year. I think they take a little bit of a step back. And we've seen that year after year. The, two years ago, the Jaguars were the number one fantasy defense, and, and or three years ago. And then two years ago, they took a step back. Two years ago, it was the Bears. They took a step back last year. I, I think there's a decent chance that the, that the 49ers defense is decent, but not great. But they're going to end up having to pass the ball more this year than they did last year. So I don't think the volume will be there for Mostert to have have the kind of season that he was having at the end of the year last year. That being said, I do think he will be the number one back in, in this backfield. And so at, at the, the bottom of season? the run. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I don't. All right. Let, I, let me let me play the ahead. either or the game then with you. So we'll do Mostert versus. Are you taking okay. Mostert or Le'Veon Bell? I just forget like where they're, they're going within. I'm, I'm only going to pull out RB2s for you. So let's just say okay. same draft cost straight up. Bell or Mostert? Bell. Okay, so would I, I agree with you. How about Jonathan Taylor or Mostert? Oh, they're in the same realm. Um, I'll probably go Taylor, but that's like for 2020. I don't like that. Like, obviously, long term, I'd rather have Taylor, but but for 2020, 
I'd and probably draft wide receiver if I had to choose. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about David Johnson or Raheem Mostert? Uh, I'll take David Johnson. Just I just think he to have the opportunity. Same way with Le- Le'Veon Bell. I think him and, and David Johnson are very similar. They're not as good as they used to be, but there is no one there to take work away from them. If they are healthy, there's going to be a huge volume. We saw Carlos Hyde have a thousand yard season in Houston last year, and I think David Johnson could be just as good as him. All right, so one more. Speaking of huge volume and speaking of a coach who last year personally said to me he's our guy and has come out this year already and doubled down that he's still his guy, James Conner or Raheem Mostert? Give me Conner. I'm going to buy into – let's put it this way. I don't think – help me with Steelers coach's name. Tomlin. I don't think Tomlin, (laughs) Tomlin doesn't play with the media like a lot of other teams. Like he, he will give Connor the, the most opportunity if he's productive. Yeah. And I, you know, Connor was, was banged up a little bit at times last year. I, I, yeah, give me Connor. I just think that, I mean, we, we saw nothing out of Jalen Samuels last year. Benny Snell was okay, but only when Connor was out. And so um, if Connor's there, I think it's his backfield and, and I like their offense a lot better with big Ben running it. So just to throw this out real quick, ADP, like these values, right? Like I, I hate the San Francisco backfield, but I'll take Mostert as RB24. By the way, David Johnson, 22, Connor, 23, Mostert, 24, Mark Ingram, 27. Like I, I, oh. I still say you have got to get your bell cow running back. You need to. Their wide receiver position is insanely, ridiculously more than ever. It's, I know everybody hears it every year. It's always cliche. Wide receiver is so ridiculously stupid deep this year that like I have Mike Williams in the low 40s. And yes, Tyrod Taylor's there, which is part of the reason he slides back a little bit. But the names that are in the 40s this year are just ridiculous. So my point being is if you get your bell cow, go ahead and go wide receiver for a while once you have it because – these names in this range of the 20s of running backs that you can get, you're getting potential top 15 running backs, if not for just one question. Like Mostert's question is obviously Shanahan. The others are just health. And if they're healthy, they're they're going to, what, ha- chop that ADP in half and be around 12, 13 in RBs or, uh, overall? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Mark Ingram. Where's J.K. Dobbins' ADP? Two spots behind him. Yeah, and that's crazy to me. This this is Mark Ingram's backfield if he's healthy, and the only 100%. drawback to Ingram, yeah, the only drawback to Ingram is he's, I mean, he's close to thirty if he's not thirty yet, and so you're worried. They know J.K. Dobbins is the long term answer, or they they think he is. That's what they drafted him for. But for this year, they're going to ride Mark Ingram like they did last year. He was a top ten running back last year in fantasy. I want. I'm getting Ingram everywhere. Was, I mean, everywhere. He was I actually eighth in fifteen games. Yeah, it's it's. In that offense with Lamar Jackson running it, yeah, I, I will have Ingram literally everywhere if he's being drafted as the 27th running back because I will take him before that, and I I will ride off into the wind uh, winning some titles, riding Mark Ingram's back. All right, so let's do this last one, and I have a feeling you're going to agree with me. RB20 right now, currently RB20 in the NFFC. Bell, Taylor, Fournette, Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, which, you know, we both love. But still, those are reverse orders heading up. Edwards-Hilaire is RB14. I throw out all these names because at RB20 is Chris freaking Carson, who Rashad <laughs> Penny might not play this year. Like, I mean, are we talk- he's like sounds like he's at least yeah. starting on the pup. Yeah, Last he's year, be on Chris the pup Carson minimum. was RB10 in 15 games. Why I, I'm going to change this question and say, like, I have a feeling you're with me on this, Brad. So I want to ask the question a different way and say, why the hell is Chris Carson down at RB20? 
So the, the I mean, literally the only thing has to be the hip, right? And there were there were reports coming out that he was going to have surgery. He might miss all next year. Well, then it's almost like people didn't see the report where he didn't have surgery and they expect him to be ready for training camp. And if that happens, why would you not want this guy? He's been a monster every single year in a great offense for running backs. They they have one of the best quarterbacks in football and they don't use him. And and that's that's because they love they love this running stuff with Carson and and I mean, he's, he had 1,150 yards and nine touchdowns in 2018, 1,200 yards and seven touchdowns last year. Literally the only, the only concern I have, I'm not concerned about the hit because all reports are that he's going to be fine. The only concern is fumbles. He had seven fumbles last year, lost four of them. And if that doesn't change, then Carlos Hyde will get more opportunities this year than, than I would want him to have as a Carson owner. Um, Who, by the way, but, said he understands he's coming in for the backup job. Yeah, this is Carson's backfield, and and yeah, I'll again, I will take Mark Ingram and Chris Carson away from every league I I walk in, and if if I know I can get those guys in the fourth and fifth round where they're being drafted, then I will gladly take a couple receivers early, knowing that the, I'm going to have those guys in my backfield. That's the only thing for me is I don't know how that's going to work out. I love getting the running backs early, but it's hard to pass those guys up when they're there because I know they're going to have monster weeks. They're going to have good seasons. And by all, by all accounts, they're going to be healthy when the season starts. 100%. And that's a good one to end the show on, because you know why? That's Chris Meany's boy. Pour out some maple syrup for Chris Meany. Uh, go send him some <laughs> virtual hugs. Uh, reminder, by the way, like I said, Draft Kit is coming out Monday. June 15th. A lot of stuff there. It'll be continually updated all the way up through draft season. A lot of good stuff for you guys. If you check on any of the football articles we have right now, like I said, you probably get one of the special offers. So make sure you sign up now. You can get with a special offer. I don't know how long those last at any time. So get over there. Get the good stuff. Follow Brad at Brad Ziegler. You know I'm at All In Kid. And we'll be back next week, Brad and myself, to argue a lot more, which is a lot of fun together. So have a good yeah. one, everybody. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.